As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Lathan Kraft. He is an international best-selling author and highly respected speaker. He's the host of the nationally recognized podcast, The Other Side of the Church, which features regular guests such as Matthew West, Blanca, and Bob Goff, who Lathan has also worked with closely. Now, Lathan has been featured on various podcasts and radio shows such as The Crappy Christian Podcast, Are You Real Podcast, and Faith Positive Radio. And now he's on the Broken Catholic podcast. This guy, he's just looking for the best of the best out there, I can tell. Uh, he's the founder of Made for Purpose, a coaching and consulting business, helping people work in their design and description. He's going to tell us more about that today. But I brought him on the show um, to speak specifically about hope, the importance and the impact of hope uh, in your lives, BC Nations. And um, Lathan and I were just speaking off air here and uh, we were kind of sharing uh, adversity war stories well it turns out I had rescheduled on uh, Lathan just recently uh, a few weeks ago and that was for good news um, God blessed my wife and I with a newborn son and um, just want to share that with UBC Nation. And uh, so I had to cancel on Latham. I'm like, dude, I'm still in the hospital, man. And, you know, we're like, we got a boy, dude. And he was super excited and very gracious about the reschedule. And then two weeks have passed since then. And he came on uh, the show just now. And I said, bro, like, I just want you to know I'm very low energy right now. And here's why. Turns out right after the birth of my son, God also gave me another gift called COVID. And uh, I went down hard with symptoms. And this I got this about a year ago, but no symptoms passed through my system in like a day, no big deal. Um, but this time it was literally 10, seven to 10 days straight of just being in bed every day, all day, uh, no energy, couldn't stand for more than five minutes at a time. And you can imagine, BC Nation, I got a, a wife at home, a baby girl, one and a half years old, and now a brand new baby boy. And as a man, as a husband, I felt completely helpless um, with my wife. 
and she was heroic. And I hear the crying baby boy. And even though that's my brand new son, I had a stabbing migraine headache for days. So just the sound of my son was causing me physical pain. And I wanted to be away from him, if that makes sense. And so I just share that very real, transparent uh, situation that God allowed me to go through. And I'll tell you, deep in the middle of it, uh, the enemy started stealing my hope because it didn't feel like the symptoms were getting any better. By day six, I was one day away from calling, uh, you know, driving to the ER, checking myself into the hospital because it just, I wasn't getting better. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And um, that finally, you know, I went and got the uh, monoclonal. Uh, antibody treatment uh, here in the state of Florida and literally that turned everything right there Mm. Um, praise God that that's here it's free uh, available and I know in some states it's actually being taken away from people Mm -hmm. you know antibodies to help them recover in these situations so I don't want to go too long on that I just wanted to be real with you BC Nation to know that the reason why you hear low energy in my voice, it actually costs me my energy right now just to speak. Um, so I'm slowly recovering, but my body's still dragging after two weeks now. And Lathan came on saying, dude, I just went through brain surgery, man. Like, and then like I come home and my wife gets COVID. So I can't even be around her for two weeks because of my surgery. Like, what the bleep? So sometimes we look up to God and we're like, God, do you love me that much that you want to discipline discipline me this much? What did I do? Like, I'm just going about my business with my wife and my babies. We had joy and peace and all of a sudden it's taken and now I feel hopelessness. So Mm -hmm. Lathan, on that note, welcome to Broken Catholic. (laughs) Saddest show show on the planet right now. (laughs) Uh, That's an honor to be here. Listen, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. And one thing my audience expects is transparency. So I am I am joyful. I am happy, high energy when life looks this way. And when life is sad and and there's tragedy and there's grief, I show those uh, feelings and emotions as well. I believe being a real man is about being tough when tough is needed and also being tender when tender is needed. And Jesus showed up this way in his life. He didn't hold back human emotions. He fully experienced them and wept with people in adversity and sorrow. So welcome to the show. Take 30 seconds, share some, uh, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, man, I used to be a pastor um, and I realized in my pastoral ministry, which I already love how this conversation is going, by the way, because of my heart. I feel like we're on the road to Emmaus right now. It's just like we're not our hearts burning within us. Just you and I both have experienced pain in different capacities. Your listeners are experiencing pain in different capacities right now and questioning the goodness of God and questioning the reality of hope. And those are two very justifiable questions to, to, to wonder about in this situation. Um, but as I was a pastor, I realized through many prayers, through many late nights, through many tears, that the people God called me to reach weren't in the pews. Um, they were outside of the pews, and they were the ones in Luke 15 um, that had gone astray, uh, that had been outcast, either 
by another church member or by themselves that it had been outcast from the church community and God had been pounding on my heart for years to go after them. And when COVID hit, when the, when I was living in California, when the pandemic hit, it was almost like God was giving my wife and I the green flag of like, hey, this is your sign, <laughs> go and do likewise. And so I was devoted really the rest of my life to finding the, the, the black sheep is what they're called. Like the, the people and the, the outcasts. And my question is, what if the black sheep had a story of gold? Because I think they all do. And I think they all matter. Say that last part again. What if the black sheep had a story of gold? Yeah. Yeah, I resonate with that. I, I'm definitely the black sheep of my family, <laughs> you know, and uh, praise God, uh, you know, when I was self-glorifying um, and just choosing my own way and doing the prodigal son, my life looked like a black sheep for sure. Um, but when I gave it to God, surrendered everything to him, now he's blessed me, right, with gold. He's blessed me with love relationships that matter peace joy and now the people that looked at me like the black sheep no longer look at me that way they look at me differently i see it in their eyes there's almost envy <laughs> there's yeah. almost uh it's just a different look and it's not bad it's just they're, they're kind of like what happened to you mm. how, how did you get that you were such a screw up yeah. i'm like i know that's the point <laughs> i screwed up enough to finally look up mm. And then give it to all to him and say, I'm not enough. I, I, I ran out of me. Yeah. And, that, and I believe that's where God wants every black sheep out there to get, to run out of themselves mm. so that they, mm. they go to him and they're like, God, I got nothing. I got nothing left. What do you got? It's got to be yeah. better than this, this misery. So, all right, Lathan, thank you for uh, being on the show and, uh, Take a minute, share something personal about you uh, that very few people in your business life actually know or your ministry life. Maybe it's the brain surgery. Maybe it's something else. Um, I think something personal about me that pe most people don't know. We went, we were pretty public with our with my brain surgery journey, both my wife and I. But what people don't know is um, I almost died. I actually did flatline at one time. Um, and in that process... My wife and I felt very strong conviction to give God the glory. So with that giving God the glory, we didn't give the gory, if that makes sense. Like we didn't give the, hey, here's what, I, here's, here's the nitty gritty, here's all of this. Because the miracles were every second, they weren't every day. Um, and so it, it gets hard to keep track of those. But in the, in the almost dying, in the flatlining, in those things in the hospital during brain surgery, um, I understood who I was for the first time. I had this moment where God was like, hey, now that I have your attention, can I reaffirm your identity? Like, can I, can I tell you who I created you to be? And it was this holy moment in the ICU of brain surgery floor where I knew that I wasn't done. My story wasn't over. But I also knew that people's stories that feel like they're over, God was going to allow me to be the hope, if you will, to those stories and it took brain surgery for me to understand that but i'm really thankful that brain surgery helped me understand that so what does that look like now that you've recovered you're back in the world like what's what's that action step when god reveals something so real soul 
he takes you to the bed, lays you down willing, unwillingly, yeah. um, and, and gets your attention and then shows you what he's calling you to do next. What do you do when you get up? Hmm. Well, to, to, to answer that question, I really think of, this is a weird analogy, but she's been on my heart recently. Hagar in the Bible, for some reason, has been just this woman who, she was a black sheep. If anyone was a black sheep, she was a black sheep. Abram and Sarai, God promised them. God said, hey, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot of kids. You're not going to be able to count them. And Abram and Sarai weren't, which present, I'm the same way. God's timeline wasn't quick enough for them. And so they said, hey, Sarai said, hey, Abram, why don't you take Hagar, our servant? Why don't you take her, sleep with her, conceive a child? And all of that came to pass. And then Hagar got the short end of the stick because she actually conceived. And so they kicked her out of the quarters she was living in. And she goes to this well where she meets, she's a woman with the well in the Old Testament. And she meets God and, and the well is renamed the God who sees me. And I think, and I've come to this realization that being seen in an intimate way is deeper than being known. And a lot of time we settle for just knowing people and being known by people. But I think Hagar would agree that being seen is much more intimate than being known. And so what have I done post waking up and post getting out of the bed in the hospital? I've seen like the spirit has allowed me to see people who aren't seen, who just kind of have this mundane melancholy look about them or people that I've known their story. I just haven't recited their story back to them. Like just this morning, I went to get breakfast somewhere because the spirit said, Hey, just go, go to this place. And I saw this girl who I used to be her youth pastor. And I, she, she was very active in our youth ministry. She now works at Chick-fil-A and her brother's a pastor. And it's been this, she's always felt like the black sheep. Like she's the one that isn't quote unquote enough. Um, and I just said to, Hey, I know that you feel like your story isn't as adequate as your brother's, but I want you to know that you're loved and you have value and you're significant in the eyes of God and in the eyes of me and brain surgery before brain surgery, Latham would not have capitalized on that conversation because of my agenda, because of whatever was going on. My, my schedule made more importance than conversations, but now, uh, the spirit is much more leading my schedule. So now I'm thinking to myself, what should I be doing, Lathan? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so before we go there, like, take us back to that question you posed. Is it okay to question the goodness of God? <laughs> yeah, I think people did. I think people did in the Bible. Um, just this past two weeks ago on the same day, the church that my wife and I have been going to, the worship pastor fell and had a heart attack while, while leading worship um, and was dead on the floor, came back, was released from the hospital two days later. You go on you go on his Facebook on the day he was released from the hospital and you see, man, God's so good. God is so good. Praise God for the miracle. And understandably so. Two hours later on that same day, my best friend, one of my best friend's mom was in, the, was in a Memphis Kroger. And a gunman came in Memphis Kroger and shot her point blank in the chest and killed her. She was the one of the two that was killed. And when he posted that status, you didn't see goodness of God comments. You saw, God, where, where are you? Like, 
he was, she was just shopping in a store and now she's gone. And I think God's good in both situations. And I think it's really hard for us to give God his goodness in situations where our flesh doesn't align with his answers. Um, when our, when we don't get what we selfishly want, like the answers that we selfishly desire, it's really easy to say, God, are you, are you good? But in like the birth of your son, <laughs> the perfect example, you birth your son, man, God, you're good. Three days later, you're in a bed. God, are you good? And it's the, it's the same reality. And there are so many people who say you can't question God's goodness or you can't question, you can't doubt. David would disagree. <laughs> there are a lot of people in the Bible. Like I think of uh, Jesus calming the storm. He was asleep in the storm, a divine nap, and he woke up to the question, do you even care? Mm-hmm. That was the question he woke up to. I'm sure they were fishermen. I'm sure they asked Jesus a lot of other questions trying to get him to wake up from his slumber. But he woke up to the question, do you even care? As if saying, never question my concern. But you can question anything, like you can question anything you want to, but I'm here. And I'm going to calm it. And it may not be in the way you think it's going to happen, but I'm going to calm the storm. And so if we're not questioning the goodness of God, have we even experienced suffering? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question there. All right. So listen, you've been a church, church pastor. You've seen the brokenhearted. You've seen the hopelessness in people, the despair, the despairing. Um, how do you reach out to people who are on the fence about church itself, have been hurt by the church? or have done damage to the church themselves and they feel the guilt and the shame. I think you give value to their side of the story. Um, I think that it's really easy to talk and it's really hard to listen to those conversations because it's really easy to have already mapped out their side of the story for them before actually hearing their narrative. Um, and a lot of time when people, there's Facebook stuff going around right now just of justifying church hurt in a sense like there's this there's a post that's on like i'm sorry the church hurt you that wasn't the church that, that wasn't jesus that was humanity yeah but there's still pain and we still have to address it we can't just brush it off as if it's not there and jesus always sat with pain always he never justified it he never brushed it aside he never said your pain's irrelevant he always sat sometimes even stooped with pain and I think the way to reach people that we say we preach on our platforms that we want in our church is to go to where they are and listen to them and give them an ear, give them, give them your time because they just want to be heard. And that's all they really need. They don't need another sermon. They don't need another Romans road experience. They just need you to be used to them in the sense of giving them your ear because their story has value and it matters. What does that actually look like? Can you share a quick story of how you've done that specifically? Yeah. So just, I'll, I'll give one story. Um, I had a pastor friend who I was deeply close with who had an affair um, with another woman in his church. And obviously, because of his choice, lost everything. Um, lost his job, lost his marriage, lost his relationship with his kids, all of it in a matter of a second was found out. If you looked on social media on the day that it came out, 
um, thousands upon thousands of people, no exaggeration, had already written his narrative for him in the sense of another pastor, another screw up, another failure. This is what quote unquote Christians are like. And so I gave him a phone call and I said, hey, man. And when I said, hey, man, he immediately was ready to be on the defensive because he had to. His posture had to be in a way to save his sanity. <laughs> he had to be in a way of, hey, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And I was like, no, I'm just, I just want to listen. How are you? Like, genuinely, how are you? Um, how, how are you doing? Because how are you doing? How's your soul? How are you? Is not what he was hearing. He was being told how he was. And so how do you do that is you go to the outskirts of the quote unquote village, which could be your social media feed. It could be your actual physical community. But you go to the places where other people, even church people, are saying, don't go. And you go there, and you commune with them, and you talk to them, and you love on them. Thank you for that. That's a powerful example. Few people would do that. Yeah. Especially in such a public sin to reach out to the pastor of that church and... And really just inquire about them. Yeah. You know, because we see the sin and we forget the sinner who's hurting behind it. Who's that person that made that choice? Yeah. And what was going on in them that they would put everything at risk like that? There's a reason. There is. There's always an underlying cause. I, one of my favorite stories, I don't know if you've heard it before, maybe you have, but it's about a pastor who was on a basically a retreat, like a soul retreat, rest and reconciliation in Hawaii, which I can't think of a better place to go for rest and reconciliation than Hawaii. And he was jet lagged and he goes into this small diner corner in Maui and he walks into this diner at two in the morning and just orders a cup of coffee. And as he's drinking his cup of coffee and trying to read his Kindle, these two ladies walk in who um, if, if they walked into a church, the church people would have told them to leave by their looks, if that makes sense. Like they, you could tell what their profession was based on what they were wearing. And so they sat down at this table next to this man and sat and counted all, everything they had won or, or achieved that night. Um, and one of the girls had made a comment to the other girl and said, tomorrow's my birthday. And the other girl was like, oh, we should celebrate. We should do something special. And she said, no, it's just another day. It's it's okay. And something hit a chord with that pastor. And he said, wait a second, this lady, she is a sinner. It's very obvious, but also tomorrow's her birthday. How can I love her in a way that Jesus would on her birthday? And so the girls leave, he goes to the waiter and says, sir, do these girls come here? And he said, every day, every day, every night they come here and they count their money and they talk about what they weren't earned that night. And that's all they do. He said, tomorrow's her birthday. Can we can we celebrate? Can you get some people into this diner and we, we just throw a party? And that next morning at 2 a.m., 50 people were in the diner. And those girls walked in and they said, surprise, surprise, it's your birthday. And they brought out a cake and they blew they were about to blow out the candles. And the and the prostitute said, Can 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 you not? Can we can we wrap this cake up so I can keep it? Remember this day forever. And that's that's it. That, that, that movement of love, that expression of love was all she needed to embrace Jesus. And she, she was saved and she went to church. 
because not because of a sermon she heard, not because of a podcast she heard, but because a pastor on a retreat <laughs> became Jesus to a prostitute. And he loved her in a way that nobody else ever had. Powerful story. Inside that grown woman in that sinful profession remained a little girl yeah. who forgot what it was like to celebrate her own birthday and blow out a cake. Yeah. Right? There's all around us, we see those little boys and girls trapped in adult bodies who forgot how and what it's like to be loved. Yeah. Lathan, uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. I may give you five because I'm speaking so slow today. Um, <laughs> are you ready, sir? I'm ready. What is your favorite thing about God? <laughs> the good, his goodness. What is your least favorite thing about God? His goodness. What are you most afraid of? Um, oh, I got five seconds. Um, failing. Not fulfilling. I think not failing, not fulfilling. Yeah. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. We've spoke about much of that uh, struggle today. But what are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Uh, the feeling of enough. Like not being enough? Not being enough, yeah. Yeah. What do you, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year? I'm trying to control my schedule. Yeah. And it looks like God's taking that from you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Go God. In a, in a pretty dramatic way, he decided to figure that yeah, out. Yeah. He's done it to me too. I mean, for two <laughs> weeks, I've had nothing that resembles a schedule. Nothing. I don't even know what it means, what it looks like to schedule a meeting again. What secret fear do you have about people? Oh, I love that question. I've heard this podcast so many times and that question always strikes a chord with me. Um, that they don't know who they are. I think that's my secret fear about people. Yeah, I get that. And then that we're not good enough to tell them or show them who they are, right? What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he cares about my valleys as much or not more than my mountaintops. <laughs> so many of us need that. Yeah. What's a new habit you want to create? Now that he's taken away your schedule and reprioritized <laughs> your look, your vision, what do you want to do? I really wish I want to be the best dad and husband I can be. I think uh, just being intentional about that amidst everything that God ends up doing in my life, whatever that happens, I just want to be the best husband and dad I can be. Well, you know, that looks like a series of habits, daily habits is what change our lives. So what's one new habit that's going to achieve that for you? Uh, taking each of my sons, no matter how young they are, out for some personal time at a young age and just investing. On a yeah. basis. Are you willing to commit to that publicly on the show going forward this week? I am. Done. Pick three words. No, sorry. What's a bad habit you want to break? Got to look at the bad habits too. <laughs> bad habit I want to break. Um, this thing called the cell phone. <laughs> Instagram, social media, just being on it. Um, and yeah, 
we spend way too much time on our devices. And so I, that's one I want to break for sure. Got it. Do you happen to have it in your hand when you get home from work? I, yeah, yeah. Or in my pocket, but mostly in my hand. Yeah. yeah. You want to, you want to, uh, supersize this commitment? Let's do it. All right. Do you want to commit to from this day forward that when you get home, your cell phone goes somewhere away from your family and you oh, I love that. for the yeah. rest of the night? Yes, I love and that. And you can't look at it until the next day. And mm-hmm. all the world's problems will take care of themselves until then. And then you, it's just you, your wife, and, and your kids. Yeah. 100% committed. Yeah. You'll take that on? I will. Okay. Awesome. PC Nation, that's how simple it looks like if you want to transform your life. It's be courageous enough to take an action you normally wouldn't take. Yeah. And look how simple both those actions are. And they're right there in front of you. And you know, just like Lathan knew, yeah, that's the action I want to take because that's going to get me the goal that I actually want in my life. Yeah. There you go. And, and Nathan's life is going to change the trajectory right now because he made a choice that he normally doesn't make. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So you can do the same. Pick three words to describe who you are now, Lathan. Um, passionate, um, patient, and persistent. I like peace. So I like, I like peace too. <laughs> <laughs> and pick three words to describe who you were before. Um, God took you to the brain surgery bed <laughs> and showed you the rest of your life. Um, narcissistic, um, uncontrolled, um, and confused. Wow. And this was just a few weeks ago. Just a few weeks ago. Wow. Thanks for that transparency. And last question, Lathan, if you could come back to life after you died, which it sounds like you already did, and tell your family and friends, your kids, only one piece of advice about everything, life, eternity, what would you say to them? It's better than anything anyone's communicated to you. Yeah, I get that. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about questioning the goodness of God? Hmm. Um, If there is someone in your life who is a sheep without a shepherd, if you will, um, you can't blame a sheep without a shepherd. It's funny that we're quick to judge the dumbness of sheep. Um, when we talk about how we are as sheep with a shepherd, but sheep without a shepherd are the same way. They don't, they don't know anything. They don't know who to follow or anything. And so if you want to communicate the goodness of God to a sheep without a shepherd, the best way to do that is to bring them into a community where the goodness of God is a reflex. The goodness of God is the atmosphere. Um, because to preach at them is only to confuse them more, to bring them in and to invite them, no matter how hurt they are, is to love them like Jesus. Amen to that. And Lathan, where can BC Nation get in touch with you, find out more, pick up your books, your podcast? What do you got for them? LathanCraft.com has my podcast link, has my book, has all the websites. Um, 
you can just go there. There's no other Lathan craft as much as as far as I know. So should be an easy <laughs> domain search. <clears throat> Lathan, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. This has been one of my favorite shows, my lowest energy shows, but my favorite shows. Um, and I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.